we had a phone call, it's been a while ago, phone call at home from a friend of ours, and she said she's in town, and she had some time to kill, and she wanted to know if she could come over and visit. And of course I said, sure, come on over. And then she said, I'll be over there in about an hour. So I hang up the phone, and then I looked at the house, and I saw the chaos. I would like to blame it all on Connor, because I can. What's he going to say, right? I blame it all on Connor because, you know, he's, he's the source of most of the chaos. And I look around the house. I look at, I look at everything that's around, and there's pillows on the floor that he's thrown on the floor. There are cups laying everywhere. There are socks. Now, I know you, you folks that have kids that don't have, you know, Connor's issues. You don't understand this, but when he comes home from school, the first thing he does is shuck his socks, and he just throws them wherever he wants. You probably never had to deal with your kids with stuff like that, right? That's what you have to deal with, with special needs. So there's socks everywhere. We had one hour to get the house to look presentable. So while Trish and Grace picked up, I ran the vacuum, I straightened up the, Connor's had enough of this already, I'm tired of getting picked on. While Trish and Grace straightened up, I ran the vacuum, straightened the furniture, and Connor sat on the couch the whole time, just smiling. He's got this kind of, did I do that? Kind of look on his face. We get, finally get everything together, everything's in order, and the doorbell rings, and we welcome our friend into the house, we invited her in, and Connor, the source of all of our chaos, Connor takes her by the hand, big smile on his face, and leads her to his favorite seat on the couch, sits her down, and he sits next to her, and he smiles at her, and he hugs her, and made her feel very, very welcome. So what does Connor know about hospitality that I don't know? What does Connor know about welcoming a guest, welcoming a friend, and even, even welcoming strangers that we need to know? Connor brings the chaos. We struggle for order, but when the time comes, it's Connor who sits down with someone and simply enjoys their presence. I think in a way, us together, the whole family together, we're kind of recreating what God does in the creation story, what he does in Genesis chapter 1. We are bringing order from chaos, and we find a way in bringing order from chaos to make someone feel welcome. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 today. We're going to move through the, the chapter. It's it's real easy to find, by the way, if you've got those blue Bibles in front of you. It's page one of uh, those blue Bibles. It may even be page one in the Bible you've got. If you're following along with your device, we've got a, uh, all of the notes and, and all of the scriptures we're going to be at are, are located there. But these words are very familiar to us. I just want to read the very beginning, the first five verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's that chaos. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. He called the, day, he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Chaos and order, light and space, space to move around, space to, space to breathe. 
uh, space to grow, space to live, space to, to be welcomed. Whatever else the creation story might mean, it has to mean this. God created space for us. God himself, God, God didn't need space. He existed before there was space. He didn't need space, but we did. God made room for us, and he welcomed us. I've mentioned this several times, but in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word that we translate hospitality in Greek, that word actually means, literally means, love of strangers. That's what hospitality means, love of strangers. And this summer, with Hannah with us, we've had a special emphasis on hospitality in our church. What does hospitality look like here? How do we welcome People? How do we welcome guests? How do we welcome strangers? How do we create a space that invites other people in and shows them that they are valuable to us? Well, if we go all the way back to the beginning, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and we see what God provided for us, we find that the way that we make room for other people in our lives, in our church, in our homes, the way we make room for other people is a reflection of the hospitality that God first called people into existence with. Genesis 1 is about more than just what God created. Genesis 1 is about why, why God created. And it's here in Genesis 1 that we see that God made light. He made light for us. God made light for us to light the way to him. Now, until we get to heaven, we're probably always going to debate the nature of God, who God is and what God is like. I, I'm not convinced that after we get to heaven, we won't still debate it for a while. You know, we'll still be wondering when we're in his presence. The Bible tells us a lot about the nature of God. Through the Bible, we know of God's love. We know of his mercy. We know of God's justice. We also know of his grace. And we know through the Bible that God is spirit. God is spirit. God does not need matter. He does not need space. God does not need earth to touch a place to stand. And we also know that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So he doesn't need light. He doesn't need the sun. He doesn't need the moon. But we do. And from the very beginning, if nothing else, if you know nothing else about Genesis chapter 1, from the very beginning, you know, let there be light. The light of the first day of creation. That's the very first thing that God calls good the very first thing that reflects his goodness. Now, it's kind of an oddity of the creation story. Light is created on the first day, but then the fourth day comes along. And in the fourth day, we've had these expressions of light in nature. We have the sun, we have the moon, we have the stars, we have instruments of light. If you want to skip on down to verse 14, day four, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. 
It's here on the fourth day that we don't just learn what light is, we learn what light does. Light has a purpose. Light rules the day. Light rules the night. Lights, the stars, they mark the seasons. They mark the days. They mark our years. Light enables us to see the passage of time. Light enables us to find our way in the world. And so Jesus comes along and he calls us the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And what he says about us, what he says about Christians, if believers, what he says about the church, takes us back to that fourth day of creation, and we realize that we are instruments of light. So we're created. We're created. If we're creating hospitality in our church, if we're creating hospitality, if we are welcoming people in, what does it look like to say to our guests, let there be light. What does it look like to say that to people? How, what does it look like to say you will find light here? I think it has to be us telling them, we've got something that you need here. There's something that you need here, something you won't find any place else. In Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus is beginning his ministry, he's been baptized. He's been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes out to preach. And Matthew, quoting from Isaiah, he tells us about that moment. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I think every one of us would agree that there's a lot of darkness in our world today. We see that darkness. We talk about that darkness. We worry about the darkness we see in our world. Sometimes I think we'd be, we would be tempted to curse the darkness rather than light a light, rather than provide light. If we really believe the world is as dark as we say, shouldn't we be all about offering people something better? Shouldn't we make it our goal to make sure that people can find something better here? Philippians chapter 2. It's an amazing chapter in Philippians. But in Philippians chapter 2, in verses 14 and 15, Paul has something to say to that church in Philippi, to those Christians. He has something to say to us. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, Paul says, Do everything without grumbling and arguing. I want you to hear that part. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, because in about five minutes, I'm going to say some things that potentially could make you grumble, okay? I'm just giving you a heads up. In about five or six minutes, I'm going to say some things that could make you grumble, and I don't want any arguing, okay? Paul says don't do that. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Would you say this is a warped and crooked generation? And then he says this, and then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. He takes us back to Genesis chapter 1 to that fourth day. God created the sun and the moon and the stars to guide them, to, to show them the, the seasons of their lives, to show them the days, to show them the years. God gave them 
the stars to light the way for the people. For God to welcome us into his presence, he had to make light for us. The call to hospitality goes beyond that, though. We also see that God made room for us. He made room for us. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you read that creation story, you know that at the end of every day, at the end of every day, God says it was good, right? At the end of every day, he says it's good. Except he doesn't. It's kind of an oddity, but if you look at day two, day two is when he creates the heavens and the sky, right? Creates the heavens and the sky. And day two, verses six through eight, he never says day two is good. Doesn't say it's good at all. And then the third day shows up. And the third day, God separates the land from the waters. Well, well, verses 9 and 10. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Why is day three suddenly good when day two with the Star with the sky, the sky and the heavens. Why is day two not good, but day three is suddenly good? I don't know for sure. I've looked and looked. I can't find any reason for that being there. But here's what I suspect. I suspect day three is good because on day three, he makes a place for us. You and I can't live in the sky. We can't live in the, in the sky. God makes day three. He creates dry land for us. He gives us a place for a place to stand. Day three is good because on day three, God made room for us. We know that's good. We know it's good to make room for other people. We know it's good to, uh, to, to make sure that somebody has a place to be. You're going to go out to a restaurant, right? You're going to go out to a restaurant after church. And you walk in, and the server says, how many in your party? I love that. They call it a party. They say, how many in your party? And you say, four. You don't say, well, there's four of us, but we only need a table for three because Danny can sit on the floor over there. Don't do that to Danny. Let him be in your party, too. And sometimes we'll even take it upon ourselves. We get to the restaurant and we got too many people. That's okay. We'll take care of it. What do we start doing? We start scooting the tables together and the chairs and you watch the servers and they're going nuts because that chair is mine. That one's hers. And then we we move the tables together to make sure that everybody's got enough room. You got friends who are coming to town say, hey, I've got to be in town for a few days. I don't have a place to stay. Stay. You say, "No, no worries. We got room. We got room for you. You get the guest room ready, you put fresh sheets on it, you get the bed made, and you have a room for them. One of the most godly things that we can do for other people is make room for them. Here at the heart of the creation account, the heart of the creation account is that God makes room for us. And one of the most godly things we can do for others is make room for them. I think one of the keys to understanding hospitality and one of the keys to understanding it as we read the creation account is in the intentionality of what God does. God is intentionally hospitable to us. God intentionally made space for us. He intentionally created light for us. He intentionally created dry land, a place for us to stand. What's it going to look like for you and I in our church 
to intentionally shine a light for our guests, to intentionally make room for our guests. Yeah, to, to understand that, you and I, we've, we've kind of got to step outside of our heads for just a minute. We've got to step outside of our heads because you and I have been here for years. We, we, many of us have been here before there was a here even. This used to be a parking lot. We, we've been here that long. We've been here before there was a here. But what's it look like to be here as a new person? What's it look like to be a guest? What's it look like to be a, a visitor? What's it look like to, be, to have never been here before? What, what do we do that would confuse people? We have to ask those questions every now and then. What is it that we do that might confuse people? What do we need to explain? What do we do that might cause stress? What do we do that might make people think there's just not room for me there? There's not room for me there. What do we do that might keep them from returning? Whatever those things are, identifying them starts with us being intentional. Intentional about the way that we are welcoming people. Intentional about what we're providing Intentional about how we invite. You and me, we, we know our way around here. Most of you, <laughs> uh, most of you probably have your own parking spot out in the parking lot. I mean, we didn't put your name on it or anything, but you know that's your parking spot. You always park there. Most of you have your own pews. I can tell you from watching, watching you Sunday after Sunday, you have your own pew. And I've seen the looks on your face when somebody shows up and sits in your pew. And suddenly you're thinking... Are they allowed to do that? What am I going to do? I don't know. Where do we go now? I've never heard stories about it here, but I've heard stories where in other churches where someone actually goes up and says, oh, that's my spot. You're not Sheldon, okay? You, you don't get a spot. And they say, that, that's my spot. That's where I sit. <sighs> Genesis 1 is all about God making room for us here. And then we get to John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is preparing to return to the Father. It's the night before the crucifixion. And in John 14, he says, In my Father's house are many, I know you want to say mansions, but there are many rooms. There's room for you in my Father's house. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Why? Verse 3, so that where I am, you may also be. So that where I'm going to be, you can be there too. Jesus makes room for us. He invites us. He welcomes us. He has a place for us. God makes room for us and calls it good. Jesus makes room for us and we call it heaven. The godliest thing we can do for other people, the godliest thing that we can do is to make a place that is good for our guests. By the time you get to the last verse of Genesis chapter 1, that word good has been used six times. We've seen that word good used six times. The light is good. The earth is good. The plants are good. The fish are good. Everything is good. And then God surveys all that he's created, all that he has provided for us. He looks at it all together and he takes it all in, and there is only one response, the very last verse, verse 31, and God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, I think we would all agree that our church, what we have here, we have found something good, 
something that we love. Are we loving strangers? Are we creating hospitality? Are we creating space for other people? Are we as welcoming as we could be? In other words, how do we go from good to very good? How do we become intentional about welcoming just like God has been intentional about welcoming us? One of the questions we need to ask is, what are we shining the light on around here? And on one level, that's a, that's a very practical question. Can people see where they're going? Do people understand where they're going when they walk into our building? And you may have noticed there are some new signs on the doors. That is so people can find their way around here. It's important that people be able to know what room they go to for this, where they go for that. You may have noticed the signs above the restrooms out here. We have signs above the restrooms that now stick out from the wall because I cannot tell you the number of times I have stood out there or stood over there, feet from the restroom, and had someone say, where's the restroom around here? It's not their fault. They can't see the sign flat on the door. They need a sign that sticks out. You and I know where the restrooms are. So we have to make a way, we have to show them a sign of where the restrooms are. On one level, it's that simple. But on another level, on a more intentional level for each one of us, are we directing our guests to Jesus? Are we providing a place? Are we making room for them to find him? And are, they, are we making room for them to find a place to belong here? Now, what I'm going to say next could make some of you mad. But I'm, I, I first of all, I have to say I'm very proud of you today because apparently some of you got the memo of what I'm going to be talking about next. Because some of you got the memo today. What does it look like to be intentional about making room for our guests? I'm not trying to make you mad. Paul says do everything without grumbling. I'm not grumbling. I'm not arguing. I want to make you think. I want to make you think. I want to make you aware. And I want to add this. I counted. It has been over six years, over six years since I mentioned this in a sermon, okay? Since I made this a major part of my sermon, it has been over six years. What does it look like to be intentional about welcoming guests? Folks, it looks like leaving those back pews, those back, row, those back rows, it looks like leaving them open for our guests. I want you to hear me out. If someone is visiting us, they need a convenient spot to try us out. And that spot is in the back few rows. They need a place where they can slip in. We had a guest a few months ago who came in late because he didn't know what time we started. He walked all the way down here to the front to find a pew that was available to him because there wasn't any room in the back. People need to know there's a place for them to try us out, inconspicuous, kind of try us on, see what we're about. They need to see how we do things because you don't always know. I don't know how many churches you go visit, but you go visit a church, you don't always know how they do communion. And suddenly the panic hits you. What if I take it wrong? What if you're supposed to stand and sit and sit? What if I have to do this? What if I have to do that? What if they take it all together? What if I put it back in the cup or in the tray when I'm not supposed to? And you start to panic and you wonder, this is uncomfortable. I don't know how to do this. 
And now, now, thanks to COVID, we're, we're all having to get our communion at the back before the church starts. And, and you got people who suddenly realize, I never picked up communion. And now they have to walk by all these scary people that they've never seen before, pick up their communion and walk back. Like, that's uncomfortable. That's really awkward. Everybody's watching them. People need a place where they can try us out. Our guests need a place where they can try us out. That place is in the back row. Now, I'm not saying you have to sit all the way up here. I don't need you up here within spitting range, okay? Not that I do that. I'm not saying you have to be all the way back up in the front. But what if we all moved three rows forward? There's still plenty of room. If we all moved two or three rows forward, and remembered that those back rows don't exist at all, then you're still sitting on the back pews. And you're still sitting with all of your friends. You're still sitting with the same people. And can I just share this? With, this is from my perspective, okay? From a guy that's been doing this for 30-some years. It is really hard to preach to you when you're all the way back there. I can't see your eyes. I'm trusting they're open. Okay? I can't see them. And I need to see your eyes to be able to preach to you. It's getting harder and harder to see your eyes, in fact. And last week's sermon, with all those jokes that went through last week's sermon, it was really hard to hear you laughing. And I know you were just belly rolling. You, know? was, you were just chuckling and laughing last week. It was really hard to hear that all the way up here. I want you to consider what it looks like to someone who's not a regular church attender, because you and I know that people sit in the back. But I want you to think about what it looks like to someone who's not a regular church attender. What's it look like when you're all the way in the back? It looks like what's happening up front isn't all that interesting. The people who don't normally come to church, when they see you in the back, they're assuming what's up front isn't all that interesting. You go to a ball game, do you want to sit all the way in the back? No, you want to sit up front. You go to a concert, you want to sit in the back? No, I want to be close enough that I can see those guys. I want to be close enough that when, when they shake their long hair that, that I get sweat on me, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but the only time I ever sat in the back row of the movies was when I didn't really care what the movie was about. I was more interested in what was happening in the back row. What was the movie about, Brett? I don't remember what the movie was at all. Something more interesting was happening in the back row. And I've preached a lot. I've preached a lot of funerals in the last few years. A lot of funerals for us. And I can look out here and I can see a lot of empty seats where people we love used to be there. Our friends used to be there. And then COVID comes along. And COVID makes people a lot more timid about visiting unfamiliar places. And I don't think it's going to get any better. COVID makes people a lot more timid about visiting places that are, that are unfamiliar and places where they might feel uncomfortable. It is imperative to our survival that we make room for our guests. It is imperative to our survival that we become very intentional about hospitality. 
There's a world of people right outside our door and they are searching for light. They're searching for belonging. They are searching for goodness. And our church needs to be a place of goodness in our community. You get to that last verse in Genesis chapter 1 and God calls it all very good. I think we would all admit the world around us today, we would not call it very good. This world is broken and there are people around us who are broken because of this world. They've had broken promises. They've had broken relationships. They've had broken dreams. They've had broken hopes. they got broken hearts. And they need one place that is good for them. One place that is good in this world, good for them, and that place needs to have room for them where they're going to feel comfortable. Our church needs to be a place of goodness in our community. You and me, the, the church, we're founded on the goodness that is from God. We are here to reflect His goodness. The message that we carry into our world, the message we carry is literally called the good news, right? We call it the good news. If we're not providing goodness for people around us, where are they going to find it? My Bible, my Bible tells me nowhere, that there's no other source of goodness. And if they can't find goodness here, if there's not room for them to find goodness here, then, then what are we doing? Are we even being the church we're called to be? God created room for us. In this world, he created room for us in his heart. Let's make sure we're creating room for the people around us. I wanted to make sure we did this song for communion today. Everything that we do in worship leads us to this moment, leads us to the cross, leads us to sharing communion. Everything that we do at this table, or in your pews now, is a reminder that there is room for you. We don't keep anyone from coming to this table. We welcome everyone because there's room at the cross for you. Jesus, in his death, opened the way for every one of us. Let's make sure that in our attitudes, in our actions, in the things that we say, the things that we do, and the way we leave room for people, let's make sure that they can find their way to Jesus. I'm going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we'll take together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I thank you so much that someone invited, someone invited us to church, someone brought us to church, someone encouraged us to come to church. Father, I, I can think of the names and faces, many of them in this room, that took a kid from a family that, that did not go to church and encouraged him to be here and made room for him. Father, we've got people in our world, we, we've got people we see every day that need to find their way to you. And I pray that through the things that we do, the things that we say, the way that we provide a place for them, Father, I, I pray that we're making room for them, not just in our church, but in our hearts, in our conversations, in our homes, around our tables. And Lord, as we take together today, we're reminded of the way that your son and going to the cross opened the way for us all to find you. Lord, we take the bread that reminds us of the body broken. We take the cup that reminds us of blood that's been shed. 
intentionally, purposefully, to provide a way for us to find you. And I pray that as we come away from this, that we might live our lives with that same purpose for those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.